You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. The award-winning Crunch Time. And Ned Kelly and Moore got nuts in their house at home because that is just a dream start for the young man. Johnny Patton seems to be maybe in tears on the boundary line right now, so that is a really distressing sight. Um, Last inside 50, he looked to be really struggling, and now sitting on the bench with his his head in his hands and just sobbing uncontrollably at the moment. So waiting to So Graham Wright's told Channel 7 it's a hamstring. Okay. Kicking at his third into the field of play, Marchek screws at the home and and kicking like Dacos. <laughs> that is beautiful stuff. Kicks up to full forward. What have they got down there? Cox, who clears the back. Hoskin Elliott pounces and goals. The Pies do kick a goal in the final term. And they re-establish the lead at 34. Collingwood return to the winner's list. After a couple of weeks that called a lot into question, they easily account for Hawthorne tonight and probably should have won by more than they did. 32 points, the Magpies over the Hawks in Sydney. We just, um, we got to work early and and I think our work inside was the, the biggest improvement for us. You know, led really well. You know, Pendles and Tay, you know, adds Trelaw, Rupert Wills through the middle with Brody. Yeah, and then just our capacity to, to put pressure on them and to defend the ground throughout the first three quarters. Four, four scoring shots in, in that time is um, pretty comprehensive and we are able to yeah, get forward often enough. If we'd have kicked a bit straighter, would have liked that through the second and third, but controlled the game for the most part. Yeah, listen, we, we played a good side and they showed us up in that space, particularly early in the game. You know, we we overpossessed the ball in our back half in particular and as you indicated we couldn't take take ground with the with the ball and then when we turned it over it gave uh, it gave Collingwood the corridor. The domination of the game to half time was uh, was significant. The Magpies shop early, easing their recent woes while the Hawks endure a horrid night of historic low scoring. What did we learn about their fortunes? We'll put modern day icon Luke Hodge on the case. And I think over the whole period here, I'll constantly ask myself, why am I here? What am I actually doing? Leaving my young family to come up here and play a game. But the club has given me so much over my career that I, I'm truly indebted to them. From what um, my wife Emma has told me, um, the, the first few days of me being away have been pretty tough. We uh, Arabella hasn't been sleeping and, and our youngest Mimi's um, has picked up a little cold. And what we're hearing is, you know, four-day uh, breaks 
is really quite possible. I don't think we have a m- massive problem with that. We'll uh, adjust the schedule, you know, accordingly and, and get it done. But, you know, I, I, even talking to some of our players, no one seems to have a massive problem is if we know that we know there's a four-day break and we sort of, you know, build a schedule around that. You know, I think if it's uh, to get the, se- the season completed is, is pretty important and I think everyone needs to sort of, uh, you yeah, carry their weight. So there's no doubt that the five-day is probably the new six-day. Um but a four-day turnaround would be a huge challenge. I can't go to three. I mean, I think the ultimate, you know, as everyone would agree, is to have the, the grand final, the MCG with, with a crowd. You know, if, if that can't happen, I reckon you've got to look for what the next best solution for everyone is. And if that's in a state with crowds, I reckon you should look at that. It'll be something that I reckon will make a decision in in, in August sometime when we know more about how the landscape is. Where the AFL grand final is being played at the moment is one of the furthest things from my mind. It really is. The amazing race that is season 2020. What happens next is an intrigue, while the ultimate destination is the source of much lobbying, agitation and irritation. These are the most remarkable times. And this is Crunch Time. Crunch time is for clean away, stocked Avon Lego and McDonald's. Never miss a goal with McDelivery. We're fully stacked and we're on the clock because it's the early start today. Game after game after game after game. It's a blessing in lockdown. The footy is there for you constantly. It's your companion. It's your guide. It's our obsession. And we've never needed it more than we do now. Jared Waitley with you. Luke Hodge is with me. Hodgie, or oh, you're safe. Live life freely, Luke, on all our behalves. <laughs> Uh, yes, Jared. It's um, <laughs> I, I feel for for people down south, but up here um, we've got AFL is uh, is booming up here. We've uh, <laughs> it's it's a weird feeling considering everywhere you turn around up here that we've got AFL games. We've got four games at Metricon this weekend, which is unheard of. But unfortunately, we've only got thirty minutes to talk about it because we've got a game in about half an hour. So uh, we've got so much to talk about. Andy Ma, we've got each other. Andy, we we've got to... each other. <laughs> Hello, Hodgie. Hello, everyone. G'day, Jared. The only challenge today is for uh, those of us down here, Luke. Have we got enough packets of chips? in the cupboard to get us through the day because we're going to spend a lot of time sitting on our dates this afternoon uh, with footy upon footy upon footy. So we've got that to look forward to. All right, let's get into it because uh, time is our enemy today. Hawthorne's lowest score in a VFL-AFL fixture since round 9, 1964. Luke, they were 2-2-14 to three-quarter time and kicked three goals for the night. How big a setback was last night for Hawthorne's fortunes despite the fact that they're 3-3? Three and three? Um, I'll look after them a little bit and say that there is shorter quarters, so that's a, uh, that is a something for them. But I uh, I was really concerned coming into the game, just the fact that where they were playing, the size of the ground. Um, Hawthorne have never won a giant stadium. I think they've been there five or six times now. Uh, you mix that in with how they played um, down at Geelong with a skinnier ground, and it just shows that their game style really struggles on that tight and narrow. They're, they are a kicking team. I think you saw Sicily, who, who had a really good game last night, but in the first quarter, he turned over three balls trying to go for his short 45 punchy uh, kicks through the middle, but because of the ground size, uh, there was more density through the middle, and Collingwood were able to get just a finger on one, or, or they were able to sm- other another one, um, which made it, it look like the, the Hawks guys sort of tightened up a little bit, uh, decided to go back and slow, uh, which you just can't do it on, uh, on that ground. 
particularly the forward line, Luke. I wonder whether that's an issue, whether there's there's great craft among some of those players. We know they're good footballers, really good footballers, some of those guys. But if they don't have space to work in, is part of their artillery significantly dampened? Uh, I think if you look at blokes like a, a Gunston, who is a workhorse and, and does rely on, on ball movement getting to him and, and his work rate. But I think at some stage, I think it was halfway through the second quarter, it was 20-odd inside 50s to eight. Yeah, that doesn't um, So it, it was more the transition. And I think all credit goes to Collingwood on, on how they reviewed uh, the way Hawthorne have played at the Giant Stadium, uh, how GWS played them last week and Geelong. It was all about they won the stoppages. They were so clean. They outnumbered around the packs. And I think Hawthorne, on a small ground, the way they play and what they've done in the past against Collingwood is win clearances with Tommy Mitchell in there. And then normally they're able to set up their zone behind the ball. Considering the clearances were all going Collingwood's way early, the ball was played in Collingwood's forward line. And if you look at the the height and the rebound ability of the Hawks, uh, you've got a couple down there who can hit through, but they, they naturally play tall for intercept marks. Um, they just didn't have enough rebound, and they didn't try enough stuff early. I think later in the game, they had Isaac Smith running through, breaking a few lines, but as you said, four scoring shots to three-quarter time just isn't enough. And I think they'll look at that and say, look, next time we're playing on, on a smaller ground, they need to put an impy down there. They need to put someone smaller who's going to link up, get a short 45, get a running handball received, just to try and break through the lines rather than doing it through uh, via foot. The Collingwood side of the equation. So there was there was a lot of what we know is they, they are a fast start team. They've got a great formula for it. Their prime movers were all involved early. There was a much greater determination to be aggressive, to bring the ball into the middle and to move it quickly. It served, particularly my check well, is four goals in a, in a game that only netted 11 mm. in total uh, was was a standout performance. They've got Quainer, who's pacey out of halfback. The boss was, was lively. So there was a, a lot to like in Collingwood, notwithstanding that in their second half was a bit like their second halves have been. They, they couldn't continue it. They couldn't score in the magnitude that they wanted to. So I thought they they reestablished some of what they did, but they also confirmed, um, I think, their pattern. Their pattern is get out, get in early, and then there's a lot of, I don't know whether it's clock management or conservative play or what that is. is did Collingwood set a few things right in your mind, Luke? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, and they were able to, I guess, fill in for for Dugowie, who wasn't there, side bottom. Uh, I thought throwing Jamie Elliott into the middle where I think Hawthorne waited till after half time to put Wingard in just to try and put in a bit of speed and flare it up. But Elliott had a real impact. I think he had four clearances until until half time. Uh, I guess his burst and speed really helped them get the ball out of the middle. But I think you're right. Um, my check was, was excellent. And well, what I noticed was... Their forwards were really trying to get under the skin of the Hawthorne defenders. Oh, yeah. uh, and you look down there, you, uh, I noticed Cox, who, yes, he loves to have a bit bit to say, and I think the uh, the viewers give him a bit of feedback when he has a quiet game, but he was coming out of himself. I know Hoskin Elliott went up to, to Frawley, who's Frawley's twice his size, uh, and he was pushing him. My check kept going back at him. Um, and you could really tell there was a plan of the Collingwood forwards to get under him whenever they've made a mistake, just to second-guess himself, uh, and it, it clearly worked. They're getting a lot out of my check, aren't they? He's, he's your classic sort of bush handicapper who's stepped up, and they've got a group one. They've got a group one down the other end in Darcy Moore, who has covered the loss early of Jeremy Howe. I'm, I'm fascinated in what you said last week to Jared about Harris Andrews, Hodgie, and I, and I fully expect you to stand your digs on him. But if I gave you Darcy Moore or Harris Andrews to choose from here and now, and you can only pick one, which one would you take? 
Um, I'll probably say still Harris, okay. uh, even though I thought Hawkins did a really good job on getting to dangerous spots. And I think it's the difference with Hawkins is he got his opportunities in kick straight, which puts three go- three goals on the board against Harris. But um, and it, that's that's taking nothing away from Darcy. I haven't seen Darcy as much as Harris, but I know that Harris was all Australian last year. He's yeah. been consistent for the last few years. But yeah, that's taken nothing away from Darcy because he's stepped up uh, in house replacement, as you said, and he's he can take talls and smalls, which which is really handy for for Buck so they can flick around um, different on different forwards if, if they're uh, strong against them. The injury side of the equation. So this is both a narrow and a broad conversation. A couple of really distressing scenes mm. last night. It is Jonathan Patton down on the bench, and we were really fearful, obviously, because of uh, his history with knees. His, by the time we found out it was a hamstring, it was a source of great relief. It's incredible distress to him because clearly in his heart he feels like he can't get a run at it is to see a, a player like that. His interaction with his medical staff, Luke, is what were you observing of someone who's been there? Yeah, that that was. I think most. I think if you ask most doctors and physios, have they been told to uh, push off in no uncertain terms by players? They would say every player would have said it to him, especially on the field. But what. Uh, got me was it was about 15 minutes after he came off so he'd realised he had the, the hamstring he was very emotional on the bench but then at quarter time he was still telling the physio to to hoot uh, three or four times walking towards the bench and naturally you'd sort of sit back and as a player when you're on the bench you sort of respect all the players around there and it didn't look great but then you go back and think what's this kid been through uh, he's come up with so much pressure on him he's had three knee reconstructions he's finally getting back out and and you can kind of understand Roy's frustrations and and his reaction to last night. But I think with this shortened version of the game, um, back-to-back games and his size and coming back, he needs as much time and space as he can. So it's unfortunate for him, but hopefully it's it's not a long one. But it did did catch my eye, the interaction with with him and the the Hawthorne physio. Are we going to get the extra two players on the bench? So so – there's a really interesting case study last night, Jamie Elliott. So here's Nathan Buckley. He kept Jamie Elliott off the ground for the entire last quarter. That was a that was a decision made with a medium term in mind, to be honest. I mean, Jamie could have kept playing, um, and he was a little bit frustrated by the call. But maybe there's maybe there's a more of that mentality. And and I'm I don't know whether it's the right decision myself. I mean, it's the right decision because Jamie's Jamie will be upright and, and all right for next week. But when that comes about, you're six goals up at three-quarter time and, and you do have some question marks on the horizon about what the schedule's going to look like, you, you want to make sure you look after your, your better players. And Jamie was really good tonight. He was, he was in the play and, and really busy and he was important for us. So I don't know how comfortable I am with that sort of situation or making those calls, but um, potentially it's the most prudent. We get the points and you, know, you don't want to lose any players as you go along, but it is going to be inevitable. So this gets us into our rapid-fire questions for Rapid Tune. They'll keep you moving, rapidtune.com.au. So a few different angles to this. The first is, look, are we pushing players to breaking point at the moment? Um, oh, clearly, when you come back and you've got a shorter pre-season, there is more uh, chance of r- risk with, with soft tissue injuries. But in, in saying that, I think... Bucks did the right thing. Um, they sat him on the bench. They they had a massive lead. They were able to get away with the points. Looking at that, they've got a they've got a massive list. They got forty four players, which it's about how much do you push? We talked. We spoke last week about Cunnington. Um, was he right to play? Was it? And he did a hamstring. Clubs and doctors in particular are going to be put on the spot to make a clear cut call. And I reckon from now on they're going to go the the cautious side, especially when there's five and six day breaks. They're going to have to use a lot more of their list than what they have in the past. This this will be the 
biggest strategic decision that's made game to game. It's not even a week to week conversation by the time we get sort of two weeks down the track is how do you manage your players? Mm. How, how many games do you want them to play is once they, they need it, they need a schedule to map out. Okay. So we've got four in 20 days here. How are we going to do this? Is when's your roster day off? When's it, ha, I think this is going to be, uh, this will play a huge role in who's successful and who's not. Without it, I think it goes back to before they put in the end of season buy, and I wasn't happy when they did that because I thought it, it it brings in the the mental strength, the physical strength, and the I guess the professionalism of all the players to make sure that they're peaking at the end of the year, and that means that you're going to give a star player a rest round 18, 19, so he's fresh and ready to go for the finals. That's what teams used to do. They used to be rewarded from getting off to a good start, be able to freshen up a few guys, and then hit the finals hard. Um, when the buy come in, it took all that away because everyone got a fresh start and then uh, they could just play four weeks to go. So I'm, I'm taking it back to how it was back then and just saying this shows how mentally strong the players are. Yes, they're going to be a few injuries, but how much depth does the list have and, and what they can do from there? So you're not, you're, not a, you're not advocating for the extra two players on the bench? No, okay. no, I reckon we keep it the same. And as I sort of said before, is it's about making sure that if you've got the 29th, 30th, 31st player on the list ready to step up if there is a few injuries or, or there's a few doubts, it shows these other guys that are on the list that, hey, if you stick in there, you train hard, you'll get rewarded with your opportunity when it does come. Hodge, have you got a sense of how different it is between games in terms of recovery time, rehab time, prep time? Have you got a sense for, for how different that, that will be from week to, from game to game? Uh, we played a five-day break last year on the Thursday, Easter Thursday against Collingwood, and it was all about recovery, preparing yourself ready to play the next game. There was no main training sessions. But if you look at how training is at the moment, their main training sessions aren't main training sessions anyway. Yeah. What we used to do, yeah. it, was a, it was an 18 v 18. You'd do structures and that for 15 minutes, and then you'd play full-on for two 10-minute halves. Uh, and that's how you got your conditioning and your training. At the moment, they're not allowed to do that anyway. So they're pretty much going from week to week, recovering, sorting out some skill stuff, a few tactics, but there's no real physical sessions anyway. So every player I've spoken to who's away from home, it just relishing the idea of playing more often. They don't want to be hanging around. Okay. They actually are not yep. interested in training. There's play, recover, play, recover, and they feel with the short, with the um, the lesser workload that four days is perfectly fine. Their bodies are feeling fine and ready to play in four days. So now it just it just comes down to the AFL is at what level are they going to condense things um, for rounds or for the three weeks after round seven? Are they going to put four games in? Are they going to put five games in? I think they're putting four, four right. in. And that's in that 32-day window yeah. where the Victorian teams have got to come back. So instead of playing five, they'll play six in the 32-day okay. right window. So we'll be through round 11 yep. by the time the teams return home. Well, I imagine you would have liked that, Luke. I would imagine this would have suited you. Uh, I wasn't massive for uh, for training sessions. <laughs> I think all players would be like that. Yeah, as soon as you finish, it's a, it's a grind to get through making sure you're ready to play. So, um, no doubt there's blokes are going to be sore, and, and you couldn't do it for a whole season. There's no doubt about that. But I think the best part about our game is everyone knows how physically demanding it is, um, and this is just another test for the players. So, as you said, it's it's four or so games, um, and they're going to have to be as professional, do all their recover uh, recovery correctly to make sure that they're prepped and ready to go in four or five days' time for the next game. Could you, Andy, live with a, like a sub a, a rule for? Four games of footy, so either extending uh, the interchange bench or the sub, 
Um, so it would be it wouldn't be for the remainder of the season. It would very be specifically be for the condensed period of time. Yeah, this year I could. Yep, I, I'd live with that. I mean, you, Hodgie, but I, that that would make sense to me. In, in if it does come to pass that we're play, asking him to play every four or five days for that for that window. Yeah, I uh, I prefer to stick the same. We, we've seen what happened with the knee jerk reaction with Clarko making a comment and the holding the ball roll <laughs> <laughs> rules just gone bananas. Um, as you said, it's it's for a month. Uh, of football, and then the boy, the boys get to go back home. Or sorry, for five weeks, and the boys get to go back home. So I'm happy from that. Leave it how it is. Use the extra players on their list that they've got there, just training. Uh, and the the four players in my mind will keep it consistent. You use the word confusing around the first week of the altered holding the ball. We've had two more games of it. It does feel to me that you're probably right. Uh, well, <laughs> you sort of sit back and go. And I feel for the umpires. Um, they get told for the whole preseason, this is what we're focusing on, this is what we're going to do. All of a sudden, there's a knee-jerk reaction. We're p- pinning, holding the ball. There was two last night with Scotty Pendlebury in the D50, who every player does. You pick the ball up, you get tackled by, I think it was Gunston and maybe Isaac Smith or someone. Uh, both players tackle him. He pins the ball and doesn't want it to get out because it's in the D50. The umpire calls ball up. Isaac Smith in the exact same <laughs> position. <laughs> he gets pinned for, <laughs> for holding the ball when two players tackle him and someone jumps on him. Um, and then it goes down the other end, and Frost gets tackled, clearly holding the ball, throws it over the boundary line, and it gets played as a, as a, just for a point. Um, and it's, it's, as I said, it's hard for the umpires because it's up to their interpretation, um, but it just feels like it's uh, – it's, we, we call it MRP Lotto. It's almost MRP <laughs> holding the ball at this stage. I've got one more for you on that front in the rapid tune, rapid fire questions. They'll keep you moving with their huge range of services. Book online at rapidtune.com.au. I'll just get the points bets update though for Fremantle and St Kilda because the opening siren's closing Jesus in what? on a set. So let's get that points bet update with Elliot Forbes. An odds update proudly brought to you by PointsBet's AFL Early Payout. Lead at half time and you win. Gamble responsibly. Call 1800 858 858. G'day, punters. Elliot from PointsBet here looking ahead to this one. Frio versus St Kilda. St Kilda are your favourites for the early kickoff today. They're $1.47 with us at PointsBet. Frio are $2.70 outsiders. If you haven't a bet on the line here, you're going to get an 11.5 point start here for Frio. Look, the Dockers, they are coming off their first win of the season, but one should not consider this a win gathering any sort of momentum beating the struggling Crows last week. It's the first time the Dockers have actually covered the line in the last six at Metricon Stadium as well. And the Saints, they're probably the best first-half team in the comp this season. They've won eight of ten first-half quarters this season with a point differential at plus 55, so one of the best in the comp. And more good signs for the Saints is they've posted a 4-1 and one record to date, and they've won four of their last five against the Dockers when they've played outside of Western Australia. A couple of markets to quickly look at here. The first goal-scorer markets are always popular with the punters at points bet. Tim Membry at $9, Matt Tabernar at $9, Walters at 11 and Dan Butler at 11 and Max King. The young superstar is at $11 as well. And the Elite Odds, it's back this week, available every single game with us at PointsBet. Have a listen to this one. Michael Walters and Bradley Hill to combine for 40 touches. You're going to get $2 odds. Good luck finding that at any other bookie. And the early payout, well, that is back tonight. Lead at halftime, you win. It's as easy as that to get paid out early on your head-to-head bet at PointsBet. Lead at halftime, you win. It's available Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night games all season long. T's and C's do apply, so jump onto pointsbet.com.au, download the app, and as always, please gamble responsibly. Proudly brought to you by PointsBet's 
AFL early payout lead at halftime and you win. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The 15-metre rule, the tightening on how far you had to kick the ball is, Luke, when you're a player, was it essential to watch the first game of the round just to understand the flow of things? 100%. Every Friday night, it was, it was almost a sit down and just try and pick up what the umpire is going to tighten up on this week. And it would change most weeks, whether it's a ruck infringement, whether it's a chopping of the arms, whether it's a push in the back. Uh, this week, it was clear as day. It was the short 45, 15-metre uh, kick or the sideways kick. Razor Ray uh, was on fire with his oh, not 15 yes. play on, and he was very vocal with it. So uh, I sat back thinking, oh, that's the, that's the rule of the week. All the other players that have watched that game thought the same thing. And then Hawthorne come out and have three... 12 and a half metre chip sideways last night and they were all paid for marks and I'm sitting there just scratching my head and the rule must have changed or they must have had a discussion after the Thursday night game but yeah, it was confusing. We want that call play on, don't we? I we- think that would be the way it was on Thursday night was really proactive. Yeah. It was really good. Ray Ray was relishing it. He he, I mean he he had an enthusiasm for that play on call mm. that was was manifest. But I think it's better for the game. That is one that doesn't change things dramatically, and does make a difference to the way the ball moves. I'll, I'll keep us moving here. Hodgie, yep. did you ever play at ANZ Stadium? Uh, I did. I played two or three games. I think. Um, Do you think of it fondly? Does it live? <laughs> does it live beautifully in the heart? Um, the the first time, I think Ruffy put his knee into my head, and I was a little bit concussed. So not on that point. And the, I think the last time we played there was Ruff was coming back from his his first scare, and he slid after he kicked the goal and landed on four screws yep. that were left in That's the game. Right. So uh, do I think of it fondly? Uh, no, <laughs> but <laughs> that's just uh, that's just me uh, for my. No, it's really not just you. No, no. <laughs> is it an appropriate venue for an AFL Grand Final? Uh, I think what Queensland and New South Wales have done to keep AFL alive, I can understand why they're pushing it up here. But my my gut feel, if it's not at the MCG, uh, which I want it to be, we've got to look at the the two other states that have been footy mad lovers for for a long long period of time, where New South Wales and Queensland are slowly getting there, but. Uh, I'll be WA or South Australia just because the backing. You know, the, the build-up to it is going to be what we expect of grand final day. Uh, so I'll be pushing for, for WA or, or SA. Give me your number MCG. one pick, Optus or Adelaide Oval? Optus because of the facilities. Adela- Adelaide Oval for me. Mm. Very good. <laughs> In a list of eight, ANZ Stadium's not on it. Uh, Luke, great. Uh, I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Looking forward to it already. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Luke Hodge with us on Crunch Time for the remainder of the season. The Magpies are fourth. They're three and a half wins. The Hawks drop out of the eight. They're three and three. A great many questions. The ladder for 40 winks. Any size mattress is the price of a single at 40 winks. Everyone's on the road this weekend. They've all packed their Samsonite business bag. We'll be with Fremantle and St Kilda in a moment's time. You're listening to Crunch Time for Clean Away. Up your disposal efficiency with Clean Away. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.